Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to this week's episode of Hollow Weekly. Nick and George here with How Low Can We Go at 40, 56, 55%. 55%. House of Frankenstein. 1944's House of Frankenstein. Little down the road in the Monster Mashup catalog, because I think Frankenstein meets the Wolfman was first. Well, let me <laughs> tell you what I was saying before we started recording. Yes. It made me really dislike... I, I didn't, did you see the new, the new Penny Dreadful trailer? I did not see it. It doesn't look. Don't look Not the biggest surprise. Don't look that good. Not the biggest surprise. No, it went from like all the monster mashups to like this. Like, and you know what's funny is I think coming off the heels of Watchmen because it's like 1930s Los Angeles and it's about like race relations and like the rise of Nazi people. And sure. like I thought like Watchmen sort of did that to like this year right but like really fucking well totally and so i'm like well if you're not gonna give us like the mummy and <laughs> you know, i was hoping they would bring in new monsters you know and venom in some no ways. and that's the problem with a lot of this is if there's lag like you planned this two years ago but you had no idea the watchman was gonna come and scoop your territory so like that's you know i know and so now it's like it's, now it's penny dreadful but like everything you liked about it gone <laughs> i'm like but they, they do have nathan lane and uh, some other people, but like I don't know. It Wait, just... let's just real quick do that with a couple other shows. So just real quick. So like, what would stra- so like take everything out of Stranger Things that people like? What's left? Um, Eggo Waffles. <laughs> Eggo Waffles. <laughs> the Eggo Waffle Show. <laughs> Winona Ryder. <laughs> the Eggo Waffle Hour. Oh yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, this movie actually. So I had seen this. It turns out in pieces a long, long time ago, but it's one of the very few main universal horror movies I don't feel like I ever watched through start to finish until now for this podcast. Mm. And you hadn't seen it before, all right? This so, is my first Monster mashup, mashup. Universal the, of the old ones, right? Yeah. And you love Monster Mashup Creature Features. It's like one of your biggest genres. Yeah, I mean, like my mo- Monster Squad's like my favorite movie. That's like the, that's like the gold standard of Monster Mashups, yeah. I think. Totally. Yeah. So what do you think of... 1944 is House of Frankenstein. It is the weirdest fucking movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it's first off. First off, they did Drag Dirty, and the one that my first note that I took was because we did um, we went and saw Frankenstein at the Egyptian Theater, and then we did The Body Snatcher, Mm -hmm. and we talked about how great Karloff was. He is like another class of actor compared to like everyone else in this yeah, movie. Yeah, he's amazing. Well, movie. I mean, in this movie, yeah. I mean, John Carradine is one of the most legendary actors of all time. So like there was acting talent in here, but you're right. It, like Karloff was really sure-footed. Yeah. And he, the rest of them felt like... Everyone else felt like, this is a horror movie. <laughs> he's like, watch me act, bitches. <laughs> watch me act. He was so good. He was amazing. I thought, so this, let's just get this out, out on the table here. This is a profoundly strange film. First of all, it's like three movies in one. So this is almost an anthology film. Like in its <laughs> in its structure, yeah. There, I mean, they got rid of Dracula so fast that he showed up and he was gone. And I was we talk about Dracula for a second. Yeah, of course, good. <laughs> How come when he actually two things? One, when he actually came back to life, Boris Karloff's character was just like he like ho checked him. He's like, listen, I will make sure the soil's here mm-hmm. as long as you do what I need you to do. And Jack's like, mm-hmm. absolutely daddy. Mm-hmm. And that was did- actually one of my favorite scenes because I loved 
the meeting of the villains, like the the pact they were making. They made a deal with the devil with each other. It was like watching the devil make a deal with himself. But no one freaked out. Nope. He didn't freak out. And then on top of that, can we talk about the fact that that dude actually went to Transylvania and <laughs> fucking dragged Dracula's corpse he did. around the country he did. for His like skeleton with yeah a for stake like pennies like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. They were like treating people to the show. Hey, they didn't have Netflix back then. They were starving for entertainment. That's true. Yeah, like look at your window and hope the horror wagon was coming by, <laughs> going around. The top. horror wagon was pretty awesome. So here, here let, let me just let me. Let me I want to talk actually about just broader in universal structure. I, I don't like House of Dracula and Son of Frankenstein and all the other movies. Kind of like where this fits in. But before we do that, we just got to deal with the insanity that is this movie. Because I, I messaged you when I was watching it. Because the first third of this movie, I think, stands with almost anything from that era. I thought the first third of this movie mm-hmm. was absolutely tremendous. We start with meeting Boris Karloff, which they started with strength, right? And when he's up at the chalkboard, like in that spooky shot, with his diagram of like putting his brains and all kinds of random things like what in his prison. And it was like really like his voice was, you know, really spooky and, and uh, obviously. And then when it goes kind of from to their breakout scene, Karloff has got such understated menace going forward from that. One of my favorite things that happens in this movie is he convinces, um, he convinces someone to do a murder. It'll, I'll remember backwards who it was. Daniel. He, yeah, Daniel. Sorry. He convinces Daniel to do a murder. And he, as soon as he's done, you can tell it's like a really kind of wrenching moment or whatever. There's this pause and he's just like, now the driver. Like he, I mean, he's so relentless for 1944. I mean, I know even pre code or whatever, they had a lot of brutal things going on. You know, people underestimate the impact of some of these older movies, but he played it. Like really quiet but determined. Like it was like crossing Hannibal Lecter with with the brain from Piggy and the Brain. <laughs> like right. he had a plan for world domination and he was gonna do it step by step by step by step. And all of that was amazing. And all of that sequence, all the way up until the movie goes full like born identity. And like there's coach chases and horses crashes a throws a torch at frankenstein there's a, tor- there's a high speed chase in this movie and then i realized this is a pretty big budget movie like th- for them this must have been it's weird because i think um i think i saw where they put zero dollars towards the ending well i'm sure <laughs> this movie's that ending looks, that, that looks like oh, what happened but i looked it up it was three hundred fifty four thousand dollars in 1944 mm. so this is a spectacle film right so and then after the first third, the middle chunk, you get to meet Frankenstein, the Wolfman. The Wolfman coming back is amazing because that's Lon Chaney Jr. again. And you finally get a character playing the character you remember from mm-hmm. all the universal kind of like saga because that's not what's happening elsewhere. Like Dracula's John Carradine, which you're not used to. Boris Karloff's not Frankenstein. So, um, and then the like you said, the, I actually thought the movie picked up towards the ending sequence. And then the actual ending is terrible because, spoilers, Hollywood was obsessed with the idea of quickscan for like 20 years and like everything died. (laughs) There's a span of time where quickscan and I, I looked, it was, it's funny because we actually did this as a trivia on, on the Hallow weekly in the community, but 
Hollywood was obsessed with quicksand one because it really captured the imagination, but two, it was their it was literally their cheapest special effect. It blew people's mm. minds back then, but you needed to do virtually nothing to make it happen on screen, right? So they 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 wanted to work it into everything because it was easier than blowing up a castle or having a lightning storm or whatever. You just threw a bunch of people in a bit of mud and watched them drop. So I knew it's funny is sports crawl off. Before going under, he goes, <gasps> <laughs> of course he does. He's like, I would do. <laughs> no, he was in character. He's like, I'm going to stay down so, here and play. But this is a sequel to Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, right? So like, that's where it, like it's picking up. Yeah. Like, okay. So there's continuity, but like, he, it's a shared universe. I didn't, know, I didn't know what I was missing. It's I, a shared universe. And there's a, I mean, no one had done it before. So there's a lot of loose ends and like weird things. One of the things that I kind of only knew in the back of my head, but I had to look up to confirm is Lon Chaney Jr. is the only major actor in the Universal stable who played all four monsters in the original run. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you had people showing up playing different versions of themselves and opposite of themselves. It got got (laughs) kind of crazy, like, you know, how that went down. I wonder what they thought of that. Like, what did Boris Karloff think of, like, Getting like playing he the scientists, dollar signs is what he thought. Yeah, that's I mean, probably like, what we're just thought. out. You know, yeah. they were trying to do like good movies, obviously, but they were also the the pace at which they had to work back then makes what we do now really silly. I mean, mm. Karloff had made, I don't know, I read somewhere he made some like 150 movies before he even broke in Frankenstein. <laughs> like these, pe- these people were making 10, 12 movies that a year. Right there, <laughs> and you know, you we look up on a screen, and there's some years where I'm like, wait, is Angelina Jolie in every movie you made this year, like whatever? But it turns out it's only three. And then when you go back and you look at Hollywood history, it's nothing compared to you know how they used to do it. But that's very true. No, I liked I liked um, the comedy in this film too. There was a lot mm-hmm. of like really kind of like wacky moments. I thought um, one of, one of the lines I really liked was when they were with Dracula, and the guys like a glass of wine will warm my blood. <laughs> And I was just, you can hear him licking his lips like, mm, uh, better boy. And I did, I actually, I did, I, aside from that weird scene when Dracula was looking through like with his bug eyes, yeah. I thought the dude who played Dracula, like. I mean, that's John motherfucking Carradine. Oh, so that's who that guy yeah, is. Um, He's a legend. He was pr- like pretty cool. Like As a matter of fact, I, I would imagine, I don't know this for a fact. I should look it up before I say it, but I would imagine he's related tangentially or vaguely to John to, to David Carradine to the guy who played in Kill Bill um, so I mean that's just a legendary family they're like you know uh, you know they, they bring the acting chops but here's the thing this David, is yeah David right yeah so but what's amazing to me about all of that is true right but when you look at how they were building these movies back then I can't tell if they were just completely nuts or if they were way ahead of their time because it feels sort of modern to me i'm used to old movies flowing like cat people there's basically one or two plots they basically go chronologically forward in order and then i mean you know that's why that's exactly why when you when when tarantino uncorked things like pulp fiction or when other people like you know when memento came out from nolan or whatever that time jumps in the narrative that's why it was so shocking is because generally that wasn't done but this movie 
is jumping back and forth in storylines and characters and and it's just I I don't know it felt really modern which is really killing weird. off Dracula right exactly. <laughs> yeah in the middle of the friggin movie you know what I really liked with uh, him because I thought I thought he was the, he was he had a lot of stuff going on Dracula like um uh I really liked the ring of the dead he had or whatever mm-hmm. and she was like where'd you get this ring mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like you don't want to know where I got this, where I got this <laughs> right, ring totally. but I loved I like those moments like that I really loved I think them killing off Dracula midway through the film is actually pretty cool like I like the idea of them sort of using the monsters like however the fuck they want like not yep. having to stick to one script where Frankenstein is created the village is going to throw fight even sure. though that's how this one fucking ends sure sure um but just just them playing around with the monsters is fun because like they're like they're crazy characters yes so like don't stick to the script like for some reason there's like an ice cavern below this, ca- this castle and i'm yep. just like i'm there for it yep totally i loved it i and honestly it made me want to go and watch um frankenstein meets the wolfman and then like the abbott and costello ones sure i don't know if they're gonna well we can uh, we can talk about that let's put a pin on that because i want to talk about it on the other side but i want to do some justice to kind of there are some really great things in this movie right so the the I thought, you know, here, here's the problem. Well, the problem with anthology films is you have so much less time to follow, develop, and get attached to characters. Mm-hmm. So basically, everything was sped up in this movie. So they all they did was rerun the Wolfman arc, right? He falls in love with a woman. She has to she, she, yeah, he, but he's no good for people. He can't be around people he cares about. She's the one who has to like someone who cares about him has to put him down. I mean, they it's literally they just reran this. So did they have playbook. that awesome line where she told him, "Don't go barking at me" before she knew no, he was the one did, man? No, they did not. <laughs> All right, check but me. they they totally force awakened the middle of this movie like, with yeah. with the Wolfman, right? But. What's in what's kind of cool is so first of all, Lon Chaney Jr. is so good that he was still able to get emotion across in that compressed time frame, which was impressive because I thought I wasn't gonna feel crap when he was struggling. And they, they I mean, they, he was if he if he had ninety seconds in this movie to get his the humanity of his character across, I would have been surprised. But he did it. Somehow. He did a great job. In fact, the first scene when. Uh, he like wakes up and he's in human form. Yep. I totally, uh, and never clicked for me until then, but them casting Benicio del Toro in the remake, like he looked just totally. like him. I was like, oh, I get why yep. they went there. Totally. Because at first I was like, like I thought they just had Benicio del Toro because he's Benicio del Toro. Oh, he's sure, a great actor. Sure. But then when he got up, I was like, that looks just like, like him. <laughs> Whoa, good job casting director. You're like, that's totally I'm it. like 10 years late, but like, good job, dude. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like 2010. 10, yeah, years, 10 well, years later. We're later on this movie than we were on uh, Wolfman 2010. That's so. very true. Um, so that part is, you know... Uh, I thought he did an incredible job. I, it wasn't so much for, for Frankenstein. I, I, there just was not enough time to get any kind of attachment to him. Glenn Strange's performance was great. And it turns out he was really, really (coughs) tutored and schooled by Boris Karloff. Like Boris Karloff Mm. took him under his wing and basically taught him all of his Karloff tricks. Right. So his performance is not just in this movie, but going forward as Frankenstein. Do you know how are, many he did? Are, off the top of this not head? off the top of my head, okay. but the, he did several. That's a big and, history. And they were they were like almost as memorable as Karloff's himself, partially because he's good, and partially because Karloff was generous with like his talent and his you know his um, 
uh, you know, sharing with that, right? So I thought he was great. But the girl that gets hypnotized in this one, who kind of gets the like gypsy? drawn, yeah, yeah. She, I thought, and the one who ends up having to shoot him or whatever, like mm-hmm. I thought she did a really, really good job of making me buy that impossible job. She was she, an impossible job. Like he's like, I'm gonna turn into a wolf and kill everything around. She's like, I'm gonna stay with you. I'm like, what? No, you're not. Me- <laughs> meanwhile, Daniel's over there, sad boying it. Like, oh, she's in love with him. All right, yeah, Daniel. He's a little annoying. He's was, no Fritz. He's, he's no, no Fritz. Fritz. Daniel was annoying. I will, I will, I will totally admit. Probably to that. the worst part, though. He did have that cool. I did, I did like when. Um, he saved the girl from getting beat. He just grabs that whip and starts lashing the dude. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, that part, like, I was rooting for That was then, pretty cool. But then he got all weird about, like, like she don't know you shit, dude. Where you get all sad about, like... Well, yeah. He's I mean, like, he had his qualms with Boris Karloff because he was supposed to get into a... Sure. Um, I do want to say this, though, about the... Uh, By the way, the girl is Anne Gwynn, who's an amazing actress. She's also... Get, check this out. Chris Pine's grandmother. No fucking way. You ready for that? She's considered one of the very first scream queens. Whoa, I didn't know that, but I do agree. Uh, I didn't mean to jump jump around, but yeah, uh, where where we were talking about Frankenstein, yeah. yeah, there was just not enough room for you not to for like, emotional really, impact. I yeah. think I think if we had pre-gamed with Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, yep, then we would we would have gotten our our fill of that. Maybe I don't know. I, I no, I've seen that, and you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you just, the problem just, was that they were trying to stuff characters in, and Frankenstein doesn't you know so and first of all the drop off i think is more severe because i think the original frankenstein's monster is more emotional than wolfman i'm not trying to sell wolfman short i'm just like he's the monster is more emotionally resonant than the than wolfman right so you're you're more upset by what happens to the original frankenstein's monster than the wolfman really and or maybe it's just me. I don't know because I also don't give a flying fuck about uh, the guy in American Werewolf in London. Like he keeps like mm-hmm. running around, like getting haunted by his friend and whatever. And I'm like, I I mean, I feel like I could make the best of the werewolf situation, but being brought back as like a sewn together corpse, you know, I don't know. That, yeah, that, that would feels, be a, that, that feels a like harder. a worse place to start from, right? But so there's a there's a bigger drop off. But on top of that, I just feel like Frankenstein has so much less ability to express himself. <laughs> Right than Wolfman does, and Lon Chaney Jr. is a great actor. So I that was I felt like dr- there was no emotional resonance with Dracula or Frankenstein. There was with Boris Karloff's character and the Wolfman. So I felt like it was kind of like hit miss hit miss hit miss. Yeah, which feels right for this kind of. I movie. wonder in the movie did did Dracula get more screen time than Frankenstein? Uh, if not, if not more, I mean, pretty close. I it's imagine. so weird that like Frankenstein's like <laughs> or the monster. Well, even for Frankenstein's not even in the fucking movie. Right, right. So, like, right. it's just his house. Right. So, so technically, we're there. Totally. But it's just weird that like the other characters had more screen time than you know the the main sure attra- you know the main, main att- the main theoretical main attraction. Yeah, the theoretical right. main attraction. Right. So that I mean that part is, and then you know here's the thing. I, I I know that I'm a minority opinion in this in this category, but I think that. Bella Lugosi's performance in Son of Frankenstein is his best performance on film, right? Better than Dracula. Um, and the problem with this is I don't think there's any one standout performance that kind of carries this movie the way that um the way there's no one standout amazing performance, and there's no like Bride of Frankenstein 
was powered by just sheer strangeness. You've never seen anything like that before. This was mm-hmm. basically, this, I mean, this movie is like horror Avengers for the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And that I, I don't know, maybe that felt super fresh to them back then. I'm sure it did. But it just, did it feels it felt, like. It felt well, kind of fresh watching it today. Right. Well, no, no, no that, that part's amazing. But the I don't think that they, like, we would, we would nail getting emotionally right. Like I, I remember watching Thor Ragnarok and being like, I can't believe they have managed to make a, such a ridiculous movie and keep the, the emotions real. Right. That the characters that I believe what they were feeling and what they were trying to go achieve and like whatever. Right. Cause that's such a hard trick to do in, in such a ridiculous setting. Right. So this movie has a totally ridiculous setting and I, I only half believed what most of these people were trying to get done. Yeah. So I don't think they knew how to do that part, but you're right. It, fe- it feels fresh just from the standpoint that it's just so nuts and so energetic and so over the top. And you're just not used to that when you're watching black and white. Let me ask you this. Do you think the movie would be better if they had Bella Lugosi uh, coming back as Dracula. Do you think I, that would have made any difference? I don't difference? think in a movie this nuts that any individual change makes a difference. I agree with you on that. I I you if you took I mean, wait, I, that might be wrong. I think Lon, I don't think you could lose Lon Chaney Jr. or Karloff in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. So like you needed what's there there, but I don't think you could take any individual flaw with the movie, fix one flaw, and have a different. You just—I feel like it just feels like the same it's so crazy bonkers movie, that there's but a, with a couple yeah. other things for us to talk about. <laughs> yeah, right. Like because you because because the the tidal wave of insanity heading towards us, like you know. There's so no, there was a few transformations in the film. There was one, yes. uh, with Dracula going from skeleton to like the veins, and then to yes. full human clothed <laughs> and then, yes well that happens a lot when he turns from a bat to a dragon he's like in a top hat he's got his clothes on <laughs> right um and then and then i think they did like one or two of the classic wolfman transformations but the coolest they did one two, wait wait hold on hold that thought because they did two wolfman transformations and one of them was a total cheat because no the was, cheat was the best one right I'm so glad you said that because I was gonna say the exact same thing. Like, How cool is that? Like visual, it would no. I mean, it's a total cheat. It's so much easier to do than actually do right. a Wolfman transformation. But it's smart. But it it's sense. first of all, it's smart, and second of all, it felt like something you could do now. You could do that now in a movie. I got the same thing and pull that off. If right? a modern horror movie visually, did that. it was so rich. It was so good looking. And you kept in it because it kept it's when he's run, you're just seeing footprints, yes. right? Yeah, and it's the human footprints, and it keeps going, it keeps going, and then yep. it's Paul Prince, and then you look up, and then and then the couple seconds you see him running in that misty yep. forest area and, and looking up the moon like oh. like like it was the way he just I, this body language like it just reaffirms in horror how important you know you're in a mask you're in a costume you're michael myers but like it makes a difference who's playing michael myers right yes body language you can't see this guy's face but he looked up at the moon like he dreaded it and it was totally his master at the same time like, right. I don't know how he conveyed that with body that, language, but that yeah. chunk of the film I think is like quintessential horror movie Agreed. visuals. Like I think it is just the coolest goddamn thing in the whole movie. Totally in fact, right. like I, there's there's a few scenes. If I, <laughs> I think the beginning's better, but I think that is really cool. That's a, I think it's probably the best shot. I think that's I think that's the single best part of the movie. Yeah. I think I do agree. Like the beginning with the dragon, that's the most interesting, and then it goes off the fucking wall. But like. There's something about werewolves in horror movies that I just fucking love. Like, because like the other scene, I think um, Silver Bullet was on Amazon, 
and Alex is like, what are you doing? I was like, I just got to watch this one scene. And I went to the werewolf church mm-hmm. scene. And totally. there's just something about werewolves and like crazy atmosphere. Totally. That always looks cool. And you can see why this haunted the imaginations of people like Joe Dante and Stephen King or whatever. Why the werewolf line of horror is particularly like a weird vein for horror because it's the one that never quite quite got as big as like Creature Feature or Vampire or some of the other bigger ones. Right. But is also really special. Like there's something really special about it when you get there's a few, when you get it right. There's a few bigger profile werewolf movies coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully they hopefully they hopefully get this right again. Yeah, hopefully. yeah. But that's that transformation. Oh, God so damn. those were really good. But and, and and this has happened with a few creature features, and I always appreciate it when it does. But to me, the single scariest moment in this movie, and and you know, I'm just gonna like forget this nonsense about old movies, black and white movies, they can't be scary or whatever. I'm not saying that like it rattled me the way like a conjuring or whatever would right. now because there's right. too much time has passed, but it's still effective. Like if you open up your imagination and you, you watch like in good faith, like trying to watch the movie the way it was intended, the scene where, where I keep forgetting this guy's name. I'm just going to call him Brian. <laughs> okay. Daniel where Boris Karloff and, and Daniel, they go and they help this coach. They've broken out of prison. Right. And they push this this carriage or series of the circus carriage out of the they're stuck in a rut or mud or some kind of like thing in the road. Yeah, yeah. They're, and they're then they get on board and they're having this conversation with this completely weird random character. The the guy who owns I forget his name. It's um the one that Karloff ends up being. He's like, It's my brother. He died recently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they're having this conversation with this guy and he's like, whatever. And he's like, they, but Carlos asking him very pointed questions. Like, where are you traveling to next? Are you going to this city? Are you going to this city? And, and the guy's like, no, I'm not going to that city. You know, there's not enough money there. I'm not going to that city. They went through a horrible thing where this guy tried to put the brain in the dog. And Boris Carlos like, oh, I mean. and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then he goes, he goes, and he goes, well, are you going over here? And the guy goes, no, I'm not going over here. He goes, well, you are. And he, and the guy's like, no, I'm not. And Karloff turns to Ted and says, and doesn't say anything. And Ted gets up to kill him. And they head towards him like, it was like the finale of Freaks. All of a sudden, they're just heading towards him. And he looks up. And you just see him just, if they had, if, if they had moved like a half second faster, he wouldn't even realize he was getting killed. Because, right. because he thought like they were just having this really genial conversation. Like everything was fine. I picked up some people. They helped me out. Like, right. And all of a sudden they're killing him. And it was, I, when they were killing him, he was like, no. And I was like, no. Like, <laughs> it, was, it. it was It was really weird that they can still be that effective at this moment. But what I appreciated in this big monster mash was the scariest moment was just two criminals killing someone as part of like a plan they were improvising because mm-hmm. i mean that literally is happening right now while we speak in like some alleyway like five miles from here and like and it, the fact that that help further <laughs> 50 miles there we go. so but you know what i mean like it's it's the fact that that is so universal and they were brave enough to kind of write it well and and act it where it felt real it's those kind of things when when a filmmaker is good enough to anchor all the the zaniness with real little dark jewels like that. I, I just I love it. It's amazing. It's weird. Two things. One, it's weird that you got uh, freaks vibes too, because I there, I think it was like some about wagons, because there's a lot totally. of there's a lot of wagons totally. and freaks. Totally. Um, 
But do you think the monsters work better as like background pieces or in like not background pieces? That's not what I'm trying. I wanted to say like when the story isn't about them, but like they're in that world and like they have like sort of minor roles. Like the way I think Dracula was a minor character in this one. Like, do you right. think they work better like that? Like it was focused. It was basically Boris Karloff. Daniel trying to do their thing, and then they run into Dracula, or they accidentally discover his, his corpse, <laughs> and then they stumble upon uh, Frankenstein's monster and the Wolfman. Like, right. do you think the monsters work better in that way, or does it depend story to story? Uh, yeah, I think it's story to story. I it, the the thing is that when I mean, there's an art to getting multiples in and keeping it straight and and so like imagine the original frankenstein or the original dracula dracula and then just insert another monster plot in there Mm -hmm. and it changes everything right right like that's i mean it's the difference between singular and the plural monsters like that's a whole different vibe right so you know, I, I feel like there's a special way to execute that, which is probably like the Monster Squad, you know, kind of style mm-hmm. if you're going for sort of the comedic edge. And then, I don't know, maybe like the 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 kaiju. Like, I don't like, you know, I, I know there's multiples in the Godzilla franchise or like things like Pacific Rim or whatever where it doesn't bother me. There's a lot of things going on, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. where I don't mind that I'm not just focusing on one villain or one monster. So... I think there's a real trick to getting that right. And I think it's more about who's doing it and how well they understand what they're doing and less about the monsters themselves. You know? Yeah. I just think it's so fun to have more than one monster on the screen. That I, That's why like, I think so, Batman Returns is the better one. I mean, you get- See, and that's what I'm saying is that the difference between the singular Joker in Batman, you know, Tim Burton's original one, and then Batman Returns... That that's exactly what I'm talking about. Is you have to present the movie differently because now you're right. following these multiple villains, right? And well, technically, you get three because you get totally Crystal or Christopher Walken too. Yeah, absolutely. Man, now I got it. Now I want to go back and watch those <laughs> old monster it. monster movies. I, you know what I was thinking though mm-hmm. is like how I think this movie would have been a little bit better if we had watched it at the Egyptian. This seemed like an uh, like this, oh, se- yeah. this seemed like an Egyptian theater type yep, yep. film. Yeah, like in in a sequence, like one of three or there right. for a marathon. It's it's you know slightly cool L.A. night. Like yeah, absolutely. It yeah, well, been. today was pretty fucking chilly, so like it was, was kind of cool. nice because it was like kind of dark. I was like, oh fuck yeah, it kind of feels like Fallout. <laughs> so like it was nice. It was a perfect. It was the closest. It was the best circumstances uh, totally. to have watched this movie so uh, a couple nuggets outside the movie itself just kind of like on the thread of how this was going right mm-hmm. so the this the the entire universal monster mashup thing started with a joke and the joke is so bad <laughs> that i can't believe first of all that it started anything and second of all it just makes me glad that these people weren't writing comedies that they were writing horror movies because Kurt Sienemack, who who's an amazing guy, he re- he actually wrote that um, that incredible the Wolfsbane saying that they say. Oh, that the, little the, poem, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. poem that. So he they were they were joking about you know what do we do next in the monster series before anyone had conceived of putting them together. And he goes, let's just put a couple of them together. He goes, we'll make a movie. We'll call it Frankenstein Wolf's the meat man. 
And he was just Frankenstein wolfs the meat. He man. was just kidding. And when he said it, the producer was or the director was like, ah, okay. So he was like, let's think about that. They actually he just a throwaway dumb joke, and they were like, okay, let's maybe turn this into an idea, and it became a movie, which led that's Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. But it it turned the whole that it, sentence just monster. blew my mind. I was like, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make man. It's not funny, and it makes no sense at all. Dude, and that's like you kept talking, and then I like I was like I left. <laughs> so you kept talking, and like that just like was percolating, and I was like I was like wait a minute, am I having a stroke? Let me just clarify that that is exactly yeah, what we it said. Makes no sense at all. It's just bizarre. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so then <laughs> so then Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein comes along way later Costello and, and Abbott meet, full, meet man <laughs> and believe it or not I, I don't think I think I knew it vaguely but I don't think I mean the number is kind of like eye catching to me is that Bella Lugosi went 17 years between playing Dracula he played Dracula in 31 and then he, he didn't play Dracula again all the way until Abbott Costello. You can tell he's a little bloated. <laughs> we, right. But which is what's a, that's amazing to me that, cause that would never happen in a million years now. Imagine like Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man and then 17 years later playing Iron Man. Again. That's not even a thing, right? Like, so the fact that he never even got around to that, but but that it came in such a weird entry later on, like this weird comedy that's actually kind of a legitimately I think the closest interesting thing to that movie. is Nick Castle. Totally, yeah. Totally. But I don't think he played all of Michael Myers in this new one, right? Right. No. Yeah. But like, and it's not. It's, it's not, not even. This... I mean, he's playing. He's playing, but he's not. I mean, he's just he's just there. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's not like you know. So I thought that was interesting. And then what was what was also interesting was that um, the first I had no idea this was a thing. But the very first appearance of, so they started to really think about a shared universe and multiple monsters. And they were like, we want to introduce the Invisible Man in a stinger at the end of a movie so that he can get his own movie later. Oh my God. They were seeding the ground. And you know who played uncredited the Invisible Man in the stinger at the end of the movie to, 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 you ready? I'm going to play for you. This is this is this is what this is it. This is what happens. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm the Invisible Man. <laughs> this was supposed to be in the film. No, this is at the end of. Um, I think it's Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein, but it was oh. or with no, it couldn't have been because they were setting up Invisible Man. But regardless, the first appearance of Invisible Man in Universal isn't the Invisible Man movie. It's Vincent Price Jesus. doing an uncredited voice. To 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 let you know that the Invisible Man was going to be a thing, right? The, but the fact that they were doing it, God, Marvel style, first of all, blows my mind. But second of all, makes me think that's the only way to do shared shit is this way, right? Like everyone finds their same way to the same solution. It's like when inventors invent the same thing across the planet and they're not even talking to each other, like at the right same, in the same month or something, you know? right? Like I mean, this is just must be the way you have to do shared, you know, you know mash oh my up God. universes, right? Can you imagine. Because Claude Rains and Vincent Price have like very distinctive voices, and I would have been happy with either one. Totally. Now you are an incredible stand-up comedian, so I thought you would appreciate this. On Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, um, Lon Chaney Jr. hated it. He thought it was it was a mockery of the monsters. Everyone else was cool with it, but yeah. but he he hated it. He thought it was like making fun of the monsters, and he probably saw ahead that eventually they're going to end up being like Booberry and Chocula, like whatever. He right. didn't want it to go that direction, which is an argument. I, I can see it either sure. way, right? But 
to to keep that vibe going for the movie because when you're shooting gothic and all that like the mist and the fog or whatever it's supposed to be spooky like the original Frankenstein scared the shit out of people at the time right so when they were it was such a weird jarring vibe with Abigail Stella running around in something that's supposed to be scary so to keep it right they had to hire a stand-up comedian to be on set and in between takes, he was like riffing, telling jokes or whatever. And then That's when he ran out of jokes, he would just start like pie fights. <laughs> so they, were like, they were literally like throwing shit at each other. And then like, all right, now we're five minutes. Let's shoot. And they would go shoot like whatever. So the energy on the on that set during that shoot must have been totally insane. Right? That'd be that so was... fucking fun. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, I mean, I just think that the whole vibe of this, the mashup thing is... You know, I think that's the one thing. If you if you take away nothing else from this podcast from my end or whatever, the thing that I I mean, besides the fact that I think the first third of this movie is legitimately great, is that um, is that people think that old classic movies are either boring or played out mm-hmm. or cliched or corny or they have no teeth. They have they, you know they they can't scare you. They can't whatever. They can't thrill you. They can't surprise you. So all of that is wrong. But but you know one thing that's about this is that it's just the sheer energetic insanity of the whole concept is is so interesting when you frame it in that black and white boring like thing because if you go into the right mindset like it is not boring it's nuts it's totally nuts and it was nuts in House of Frankenstein it also becomes nuts in House of Dracula and then it stayed nuts all the way through Abbott and Costello Frankenstein I mean these people were just God I want to watch doing some now. really weird things so I just thought that part was great and I love that I love that this kind of led to that kind of kind of insanity I do miss the the a little bit of the gravitas of the fear of like the original Dracula and Frankenstein and even Bride of Frankenstein, which was funny, but also horrifying, but there's a room for this too. And I thought this was a really good version. I wonder why they just don't do them like this now. I I mean, aren't they? Isn't that, isn't that what what we watch all the time is these monster mixed. No, when's the last time you saw, I mean like Penny Dreadful is probably the last time which is why that new trailer made me sad like i'm still gonna watch it but yeah that's true oh, well good point yeah i guess you're right because like we don't get that because universal's so really anymore. screwed the pooch with the oh, the God. mummy thing totally. oh well we do have invisible man coming out and i'm really curious to see how that is gonna play out because i we did a live in the group and everyone was like we were we if you missed if you're not in our facebook group join it because we do fun shit over there and we were like going through this year's horror films and like mm-hmm. guessing what their Rotten Tomato score is going to be mm-hmm. just to see like what the year and it, a lot of it looks really good. But when it came to the invisible man, like everyone was guessing like, and even myself, like 50, 60, like it wasn't totally. like really exciting. And I don't know if I just don't know why, like maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. It might. Here's the thing. So I think, I think it's harder to do it in a way that's actually scary. And I think if if you if you go back like big picture for a second and think okay. about you know it, 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 be, be the parent here for a second. Like you okay. you you tell everyone you love all five of your kids equally, but you don't. Like there's that one favorite. You know, it. everyone knows it. No one will admit it. But well, or the four but, you like and the one you just <laughs> Right, exactly. Either way, but but it, if you look at the monster mashup series that starts with Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and kind of how people have tried to do that or duplicate it or do it in different versions of it. The most successful iterations later for universal are comedic. I think the two most successful versions of this that were attempted later 
were um, Monster Squad mm-hmm. and the Mummy series, the Brendan Fraser one. Yeah. Right? I think those are the two most successful versions of this. They're better than Tom Cruise's Mummy or Dracula Untold or any other attempts right. to try mm-hmm. to carry the Universal legacy forward. The only one that kind of even moved this needle for me is the t- 2010 Wolfman, which I thought was a, a, a noble effort. <laughs> Not you that know. it's connected, but you were pretty well i still haven't seen it the new dracula yeah so now the bbc dracula i think you think he's a contender i, I think well it's a different thing because he right. is so the sole villain i mean he dominates that actor just dominates well not true him and the 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 person playing van helsing do, dominate but it's it's really it's it's a it's a really good james bond movie where you got like Bond versus Donald Pleasance or Bond versus Christoph Waltz or whatever. It's that feeling. And that's what the BBC Dracula is. It's, it's Dracula versus Van Helsing all the way through. There's no other monsters. There's no focus. Does he on do the eye thing through the window? Nobody turns into anything else interesting. It's not like a Fright Night where you got, you know, your soul cool burster. You, it's not Salem's Lot where you got the kid floating in the, in the window. There's no mm-hmm. other memorable characters. It's literally these two for three episodes, right? So it's a totally different vibe than this movie that we're doing now. But, and that's what I mean is I think when you stuff it with a lot of characters, it's easier to do comedic. It's so rare to get it right where you've got a thing full of different kinds of characters and villains, which is why, like, for example, Trick or Treat is such a miracle, right? Trick or Treat. Mm -hmm. Because it has multiple villains in it, right? right? And somehow they don't rob from each other. Somehow they don't make... They're all memorable. They're not, you know, like, whatever. There's an amazing um, anecdote about Claude Rains, the the legend who played Invisible Man and the incredible character played in Hitchcock's Notorious, among a million other things. But he... Um, actors hated working with him because he would box you out of the camera. Like, he wouldn't tell you... He wouldn't warn anyone, but he would get... He would get in your personal space as an actor. You'd do a scene, and then he would push your foot with his foot, and he'd edge over. And he was just, he was trying to dominate the screen. He didn't want to share with anyone. Like he was literally trying to put the director would be like, "Wait, I'm coming. I'm only seeing half of the actors now." And he'd be like, so, you know, so like, what did he say? Like, "Hey, here's a here's a picture. We don't even fucking see it. <laughs> totally, totally, <laughs> you are gone." Totally, he thought of him as the Claude Rains show, right? Like he, he it was ever so he wasn't having like the sharing thing, and and. That, but it's it's funny, but like, think about it. When these people went into this, you know, like Lon Chaney Jr. had like four minutes to convey humanity, pathos, fright, you know, like intimidation, all the emotions he was supposed to pack into a thing. And the and John Carradine over there as Dracula had this uh, four minutes too. And they're, they're, they're sort of competing, right? right? So when you've got that dynamic, you got, I, I don't you know. You know who could do it today? Uh, Taika Waititi is that how you say his name? The What We Do in the Show. Oh, shadows. I don't know how to say his name, but he could. Thor Ragnarok. Oh, for sure. Because like What We Do in the Show is a werewolves and totally, vampires, yeah. so all I got to do is But that's what I'm saying. And it works comedically. It's so hard to do straight. Right? That's so, Yeah, because the people who try to do it serious, Penny Dreadful, mm-hmm. you know, as much as, you know, I wish the new one had all the monsters and all that stuff. I didn't fucking finish the third season because it wasn't that good. Of a right, show. right. Well, there, well, there you go. <laughs> so right. I think you're right. I think I think these like multiple monster mashups have to be done comedic because like Trick or Treat has the werewolves as the kids coming back like zombie creatures or, or or whatever. Totally. And it has Sam, so it's got a bunch of monsters, but like it also has a lot of comedic like, comedic elements into it. Totally. Horror comedy. But my 
my first like so in the BBC Dracula, he when he consumes you, he also gets all basically all your memories, all your skill base, all your knowledge. That's how they cheat. Basically, like when they transport spoiler, they transport him into modern times uh, for a part of the the storytelling of that show. And he knows how to use phones and text or whatever because he eats someone who is modern. So now right, he so has he their like whatever. So like, a matter of fact. Matter of fact, he starts telling this one woman all this stuff about her dead husband that that he destroyed, and she's like, "How did you? How did you learn all this?" And he's like, "Orally." <laughs> so, so, oh my god, I gotta so, watch it. So right, so it's amazing. So like, but but you know that that's kind of like the premise of it, right? If if you if you take that premise and you're like, if you my my flavor for trick or treat, if I ate trick or treat. Like the flavor, because Dracula does it in the BBC Dracula. He's like, mm, uh, telephone. Like you can, he's thinking, wow. but he's thinking by tasting, right? So like, if I was tasting trick or treat, comedy's not the first thing that pops into my mind. No, it's it's, it's, it's like third or fourth. The atmosphere and and the scares and just the coolness and the acting and the acting, yeah. right? Like freaking Brian Cox is in this movie, mm. like dominating. Is he the guy who just won a Golden Globe for I Succession? Don't. Is that him? Yes, totally, totally him. Mm. He's a, and he's the one in Autopsy of Jane Doe. He was in Manhunter. He was amazing. Right, so right, right. He's just an amazing actor. But the point is, the first flavor isn't comedy. And you, and when I taste the monster squad that's the first thing i remember is i remember cool design and atmosphere but equally i remember that and obviously what we do in the shadows and all those other what we do in the shadows comedies first right for, for that i mean one. almost all yeah. of them when you think about the brenda frazier's mummy almost all of them if there's a monster mashup and it's modern it's usually comedy so like there or that's like in the top couple adjectives you think about for it so i just think it's hard to do right which makes me really excited to have someone just pull that off i want to see someone come in and do a really serious dark you know, version of which, I mean, Penny Dreadful sort of did that for a little bit for a time. Yeah. But it did, but it, but it didn't, maybe if they had made, maybe they added some comedy to it, it would have been better. Though, though, you know, they had some, you know, so they wanted to get pretty serious pretty quick. Yeah. But Penny Dreadful had to like, when they first introduced (laughs) Frankenstein, and he's talking about like the river of life and he wants to reverse the flow. You're like, Oh, that shit's great. So I'm saying, Oh, so, this is a loaded baked potato yeah, episode. It's, it, Jesus I know it's, it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to do. But I that I back back to this movie. This movie does it. This movie for its time. If you if you take off the layers of being a modern viewer and you just go into it with the right spirit, this movie is as thrilling as it is funny. It's as atmospheric as it is, you know, serious. Like it's it's the 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 flavor of this movie is really really good. Except for the places where it completely well, falls down. The one thing we didn't mention yeah. is that I think in order to make this work, you just have to go as bonkers as they did. Yes, totally. Like, if you're going to do a monster mashup, do a fucking monster mashup. Yeah, totally. Don't try to, like, Avengers it and be, like, serious. Be like, no, this is the Wolfman. This is the creature from Lack of Goon. This is the monster, right. the Invisible Man. Fuck it, throw in the bride. I say if you can, swing swing well, by France, I mean, get the let's, Phantom. Let's be honest. That's the arc of all of these, right? Like, Godzilla... There's nothing more serious than the original Godzilla. It's the most serious movie <laughs> was, ever made. Right? Like, was pretty yeah, people think it's ridiculous, but it's not. When we I mean, watched it for Criterion, I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> that movie is so bleak and so intense and so like whatever. And then Godzilla's juggling and flying and, you know, like whatever, mm-hmm. and fighting 16 monsters or whatever. Like that's the arc. I think that's kind of just how that has to go, right? So um, but anyway, I love this movie. I especially recommend the first third of it. Let us know what you think of House of Frankenstein. Anything else before we wrap? 
I think you could do this. If they remade this film today, I can tell you the one core element that would make this movie hilarious. What's that? Tons of gore. <laughs> imagine if imagine if someone no, dies hysterically and just gore everywhere. That would be. Amazing. I think that would be. I think that would be the key. Okay, so this was 50, 55. 55%. This is good. I feel like we're getting back on track. Oh, yeah, right. We haven't rated, so let's do the rating. Okay. Honestly, you know, the ending the ending is the worst part because Frankenstein's monster just grabs uh, Karloff and then they just run into some quicksand. A dude actually throws a torch at them while they're running on the stairs mm-hmm. and like it almost hits Karloff. I'm like, who the fuck gave him that direction? Um, and then they go into the quicksand and like it, it just ends. Like So the ending is really unsatisfying. The ending's really abrupt. That That's... happened a lot back then. Oh, and I didn't tell you, I didn't even tell you my surprise. Oh, yeah. The director, Earl Kenton, is yeah. the director of Island of Lost Souls. No way. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the best horror movies of the 30s. So, wow. So, and I did not know that going into this, and that explains a lot of why I was so enjoying this when it started, because I, I, you know, he must have that fingerprint. Must He must be just one of those directors I really like. But. And that was Karloff too, right? No, the that was Lugosi. One? That was the, we are, are we not men? That's oh, the, you know, right. that, the Charles Lawton, you know. Wow. Okay, so 55%. Yes. The end, I think the ending is probably what chunks off a lot of the score for me. Sure. Um, but I would, I would honestly, I would put this at 60%. I would make it just fresh. I wouldn't go anywhere crazy above that. Um, because I, because I did find it incredible, like super enjoyable. Like it was nothing groundbreaking. It wasn't like we watched like, uh, what's, what was a Harakari or Harakiri. Yeah, there's right, like, it wasn't right. like some classic masterpiece, right? No, right, no but sure. it was so sure. bonkers and so fuck. It was weird. And it was some, and it was my first yeah. monster match. Maybe there's better monster matchups, but I haven't seen it yet. So I feel really comfortable at saying sixty percent. And I would recommend, like, if if you if you like other classic horror movie monsters, I would be like, give this a shot. It's it's not going to be Frankenstein. It's not going to be Dracula. Right. But you're gonna enjoy it. Well, let's take a quick look. I know. Let's let's take a real quick look at its neighborhood. Right. So here's the thing. Before I cheat. And look at the neighborhood. I'm going to be honest and tell you that I think I would probably just leave it at 55%. That was my... Not even like an insult towards it, because I don't even think that's an insult. Like, I no. think I think a that's movie a... that old that stays good enough to be better than average is a... I mean, they moved, They made this movie before World War II ended. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, I think that's a pretty good, uh, you know, acquittal of its talent for the movie. But it feels about half as good as Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, I and Frankenstein, I'm assuming, is 100. percent So, like, yeah. I would imagine that 55 percent is somewhere around the ballpark. I think that's fair that I would put it. But I, I, I do. I think that the first. Th- I've never done this before, but I think the first third of the movie is an 80 percent movie. <laughs> right, I feel like it doesn't really go downhill until that hard turn where we start getting musical numbers and dance sequences and like some weird yeah. stuff happens and then like whatever. So um, in the, in the, do we want to do in the horror neighborhood or just anyway? Just Let's do see. in the regular neighborhood. That, Cause that's in the, that in the opens horror it neighborhood. Up. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Or anyway, any neighborhood. All right. So let's see what the most famous movies in this neighborhood are. So this, let's, oh, I can already spot it a movie that is blowing my mind. It's 55%. Okay. So, what's that movie? So this movie is, well, hold on. I'm saving that for a moment because I want to see what other choices there are. Because I haven't heard a lot of of a lot of these movies. Um, All right. So in the horror realm, surprise, and not surprisingly, 
in terms of I know we know this because we already did um, this movie for the first how long ago but the craft is down here that is stupid that is and the craft is better than this movie the craft is way better so (laughs) the craft is so good (laughs) why it's 55 percent is so so which explains why we picked the craft first for the (laughs) for the first album (laughs) right oceans 12 which i've never seen um is a 55 percent film i liked i liked that one Okay. And that feels like just about right for House of Frankenstein and yeah. Ocean's 12. They feel like kind of equally. Um, you're, I, I, this is the one that was blowing my mind. I'm just going to go to it because I don't recognize a lot of the other ones. Top Gun. Whoa. The original Top Gun is Get 55%. out of here. And you know what? I think that's right. I think that, I think that movie and this movie I think this are movie about is... the same level of entertainment. I think this movie is... Good. I remember my friends. We rented. Top it's just Gun. if you're a horror fan, you like this book. Yeah, I remember we rented Top Gun, and I was like, "Man, a lot of this is really boring." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right? It's not that interesting. And the only other one I got for you is Elm Street Four, and that feels like a worse movie than House of Frankenstein. So, uh, it is a worse movie than House. So of Frankenstein. I, I think we're good. I think it's it's somewhere between fifty five and sixty percent. I think that's perfect. But I think the good news is that. Because the thing we're dreading is as we go down low on the how low can we go scale, where the movies really start to feel like they might even be lower than where they are. I remember and this feeling. movie is not doing that. This movie is this movie just kept it. So picture picture not fresh on Rotten Tomato as quicksand. This movie has got its head right above right the quicksand. Above, right above taking it. a deep breath. Right above it. <laughs> and then it ends abruptly. And then it ends abruptly. Okay, well, I think those ratings make a lot of sense. I, I agree with that 100%. So let us know what you guys think, if you've seen the movie, if you like the monster mashups. And then if you have any suggestions, uh, we're going down this list for the second time. We're going to need some guidance on the second time. That first one got rough. It got rough around like 30%. It did. But here's the good news. Well, we a lot of time. movies have come out since we did that. <laughs> There True. are some movies that have come out that are adding to our possibilities here, and I've got my eye on a couple of them that look really promising for this list. So, you know what? And I think this is the most, uh, well, not universe, but classic monsters ones that we've had on the list because we did that one. Uh, What's his name? Jack something's Dracula. Yes, we did that Jack one. Pantless, yeah, we got we got this one. I'm curious how many classic monster movies are going to make it on our list. Is the old Blob? No, that's got to be higher rated. No, not the old blob. The old blob? Yeah, what's the old yeah, blob the old, rated? Oh, I don't know. but I, like the I, It should one? be higher rated. No, pretty, I have a feeling. I think it should be, but I have a feeling it's probably good, not, though. Pretty damn good movie. Uh, let's take a look. I'm so, guessing. Because the new blob should be like 90%. So, <laughs> like, that's a, I'm guessing. It's 66. Ah, just above. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> I've never seen that one, so I was like, oh, that'd be fun to do that one. All right, well. We'll have to do. We'll have to. We'll have to do fresh to freshest, and then but degrade all the films. Like this one doesn't deserve to be here. Just a bunch of bullshit. All right. Well, cool. This was a fun one. I really like it. Can't wait to see what we have next. Give us a review on iTunes if you love this episode. We will talk to you next time. Bye, guys.